Hey, listeners, if you're a fan of the show and you'd like to help us grow, please donate via Patreon on our website at failforwardpod.com. A big thanks to this week's patron, Aisha. You know, at that time in my life, I was doing a lot of soul searching and a lot of researching of successful people. And I had realized that I'm not the only person who started a business and it didn't work. Failing. 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 I know. When we talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some tough decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life. A blessing. Achieve your dream. And then what we do with it. And this is Failing Forward. Pete Rupert, I want to say thank you so much for being on the show today. Listeners, Pete is the CEO of iEducation Group. Welcome, Pete. Thank you, Sarah. Glad to be here. Hey, is this your first podcast or have you done one before? This is my first podcast, yes. Oh, my God. So, like, you are in education. This is your first podcast. I think... I think I have a solution for you. I think you need to be doing more podcasts. You know, I've heard that a lot. <laughs> heard that a lot internally and externally. So maybe this is my first practice and I can leverage this going forward. That's right. You can do, actually, I think this would be a really good idea. You could do some um, podcast for your employees. You can talk to them that way. Share yeah. the vision, train That's them. That's what people inspire. have said, yeah. 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 I'll kick it off for you. I'm happy to do that. <laughs> I love it. All right. Okay. So Pete, you're from Cincinnati. Um, Although you don't live here now, you live in Chicago, but tell us a little background about Grand Rapids. Oh, why did I think it was Chicago? That's where I was before we moved here, but we've been here 20 years now. Okay. Okay. I don't know. I don't know either, but you grew up in the Natty. Grew up in the Natty. Yep. Still miss it. Love going back. You do? Absolutely. My family's still there. Almost all of my family's there and friends and love getting back. Still, I'm a diehard Cincinnati sports fan, as tough as that can be sometimes. And <laughs> um, Love my Skyline Chili and my graders, et cetera. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so give us a little background. Um, where did you grow up? Tell us about the, your family of origin. Yeah, well, I'm one of six kids. Um, and we grew up or moved to Anderson Township when I was going into second grade. So I was whatever, seven, seven at the time and uh, lived there throughout my high school and college years. And um, my most of my family is still in Cincinnati. I'm the third of six kids. Uh, four of the six of us live in Cincinnati. And then my youngest sister lives in Columbus. So she's close. So we're the distant Ruperts, the Michigan Ruperts, as we're known within the family. Um <laughs> And uh, I went to St. X High School, uh, absolutely phenomenal experience, was a little weirded out when my dad came to me in middle school and said, hey, uh, I'm a little fed up with how the Anderson High School was looking at the time or working back in the 70s and suggested that um, I'd be much better off if I went across town <laughs> and almost an hour away and went oh to an all-boys private Catholic high school. So a little bit of a uh, surprise, but as I researched and got into it, I fell in love with uh, the school and look back at it as one of my fondest memories and great experiences was um, having the chance to go through St. X. Okay, so then you go, you head off to college, you go to DePaul University, correct? Exactly. DePaul with a W to, <laughs> yeah. in Greencastle, Indiana, small liberal arts school. And again, another amazing experience. Had a chance to, uh, I chose DePaul because they had this honors business program 
uh, in addition to the standard liberal arts program that they were offering. And I was lucky enough to get admitted to that. And that included a semester-long internship during your junior year where you were able to get college credit. It was a paid internship. So you'd interview your sophomore year and, and uh, or early in your junior year for an internship opportunity and had a chance to work in Dallas, Texas for seven months as an intern for a entrepreneur who had a manufacturing company down there. So um, Pete has a book, listeners, it's called Limitless, Nine Steps to Designing Your Extraordinary Life. And Pete, in the book, you talk about that internship. You want to share that story of how you got that? Because technically, you didn't have the grade point average, correct, to get that just yet? Exactly. Yeah, I was... uh... Sometimes I was prioritizing fun and social life over my academics when I was at the PAW, and there was a minimum grade point average that we were required to keep. And my first uh, year and a half or so, I was slightly above it, so I wasn't too worried. And then the second semester of my sophomore year, um, I did not do very well in a semester, and I slipped below the minimum GPA. And so I got a letter that summer, uh, and my hope was to come back to campus and interview in the first semester for a second semester internship. But I got a letter from the management fellows office, what this program was called uh, from the director saying that uh, Pete, unfortunately due to your bad semester and your overall GPA falling below the qualification line, um, you are now officially on management fellows probation. And if your grades don't approve, you'll be uh, kicked out of the program. And by the way, um, because your grades are below uh, par, um, you will not be able to do an internship during your junior year. You'll have to prove that you can get your grade point back above the minimum line by the end of junior year, and then we'll give you a chance to have an internship your senior year. Well, that was a huge, uh, scary time for me, and I yeah. was I was really disappointed in myself um, and uh, realized that, oh my gosh, the last thing I want to do is spend my senior year of college being away for a semester. Uh, that's when I wanted to make sure I had that great final year. And um, it was a big eye-opening moment for me. And so I had to figure out, okay, what do I do? And then I heard about a company coming, this company that is the Dallas company I mentioned, an entrepreneur yeah. who had bought this small manufacturing company and had a lot of success growing it. He was on the board of trustees, I guess eventually on the board of trustees at the PAW, but not at that time. But I heard he was coming to campus to interview and this is in September or early October of my junior year, and I was officially on probation. <clears throat> and I pleaded with the head of the head of the uh, program to let me interview um, with this uh, entrepreneur. Yeah. And uh, I said, you know, not really. You can't officially do it, but if you want to send him a letter, then you can certainly do that. And so I went. Ro- I went home and, and went back to my dorm or my fraternity and, and wrote a long letter, handwritten letter to the CEO saying, I'm an entrepreneur to be. I've started a couple small companies in high school and college. And my dream is to work with an entrepreneur and, and learn a lot about how to, how to run a business and uh, the entrepreneurial journey. And, um, I, and explained my situation about my grades not being up to par, but assured him that I thought I could be a great intern. And uh, sure enough, he read the letter and he said to the director that I want to meet this kid. And um, I was able to go in and interview as kind of a last candidate to come in the door. And 
we hit it off and he said, uh, I tell you what, I'm going to offer you the job. And the management fellows program said to me, well, if you can get your grades up by midterms, um, then we will allow you to accept this internship because they couldn't wait till the end of the semester because the internship started January oh, 1. Right. And so we set a deadline of November 15th or whatever the midterm date was uh, to ensure I had high enough grades. And you did. And I did. Yeah. So I worked my tail off and got back on track and was able to be successful. And, um, but a classic failure when here, I thought I was cruising along and and having fun and, um, thought I'd just go through the program at the paw and be successful. And all of a sudden you get this setback and you don't even realize the repercussions of what that means, not being able to intern to possibly being kicked out of the program, not getting a chance to intern my junior year and uh, having to postpone that to my senior year if I was lucky. And that kind of failure, that kind of setback really forced me to rethink. And and I think drove me to do things above and beyond to find a solution. It's big learning for me in so many areas. And and you kept in contact with that man years later, right? Oh, yeah. And what an experience. And you think about how the twists and turns of life and, and how they impact you. Well, turns out when I went down there and it was a great internship, I got to work in all the different functions of the company and it was a small enough company where I could really get a chance to get to know all the executives and, and do these different projects in different areas. And he kind of took me over his, under his wing. And one day he took me on a sales call to a big customer. We were driving down the road in his car and he said, well, what have you thought about um, for your future? And, and specifically asked me about business school. And uh, I knew that he had gone to Harvard Business School. And I said, you know, I thought a little bit about it, um, but no one in my family had ever done it before. And You hadn't I seen said, it. I've never really considered. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't envisioned it. I hadn't seen right. it. I just hadn't really thought about it. The decision set. And you know, some of the guys from the people in my program I knew had gone off to business school, but it's a lot of money and it's two years not working and everything else. And so... I said, I've thought a little bit about it, but haven't really thought about it seriously. Um, and he just went on to talk about his experience when he went to business school years prior to that and, and what it meant for him. And so I got kind of excited about it. And then he said to me, and have you thought about going to Harvard business school? <laughs> and I kind of laughed out loud just like that. Cause here's a kid who was on probation <laughs> in this honors program. Right. And he's telling me that I can go to Harvard business school. And he kind of had gotten to know me by that point. I knew I was involved in a lot of different things. And I had some leadership positions on campus. And and um, he said, I think you really have an opportunity. And uh, he kind of changed my thinking. And he said, you know, if you did this and this and this and really focused on your grades and continue to get involved and get leadership opportunities on campus, I think you and then have a great start to your career. Um, I think you'll be a very viable candidate. And it was amazing. That conversation in that yeah. car, which is still etched in my mind to this day, changed my whole trajectory about my future. And so I, I, from that point on, I started thinking about business school and started, and I made my big, hairy, audacious goal to get into not just the top business school, but to get into Harvard and uh, went to work after school with Procter and Gamble for three years. And I'll never forget um, when I applied um, after two and a half years, back then you had to kind of typically work two or three years before you get into any top school. And, um, I applied and, and, um, I was home for 
the holidays back in Cincinnati. I was living in L.A. at the time working for Procter & Gamble. And my roommate back in L.A. called me and said, hey, there's a letter from Harvard Business School that just arrived. I think it was on New Year's Eve. I was visiting my wow. girlfriend, eventually to be wife. And he called me and he said, there's this letter from Harvard Business School. Do you want me to open it? And I said, well, is it thick or thin? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, it's thin. And I said, well, that's probably not very good. So why don't you just go ahead and open it? And sure enough, it was a letter that said, congratulations, you've been admitted to the class of, I guess it was 1991 is the, my graduating class. And so to see it all come together, uh, that five years of work uh, and that chance to change my trajectory and have this guy helped me think much bigger than I'd ever thought before um, was a huge moment in my life. And I look back yeah. at that and think about what that's meant to me down the road. So in your book, I love your chapters. And one of the chapters is find a champion. And I know that that is it David. Is that his name? Right. David Moorhead. Right. Yeah. That he was your champion. Right. Um, I had a, I had a manager. No, when I my one of my first jobs a couple years out of college, I worked for um, Hamilton County Juvenile Court Detention Facility. And the superintendent said to me, hey, I think you should apply for this training manager position. And I was like, what? And it was the first time that somebody saw something in me that I didn't see. And because he said that to me, it like opened up an, a whole new world. And so I loved your story about David because he opened your whole new world too. And I think as a leader now, you probably try to do that a lot. I do. It's one of my big things that I, that I focus on and, and you try and pay it forward. Right. And, mm -hmm. and I've, I've, uh, one of the things that that management fellows program at the Paul that I mentioned, well, that internship was such a amazing experience for me and changed my life. Like yeah. I mentioned, yeah. um, I've I've been hosting interns from DePauw for 20 years now, and I've probably hosted 50 or 55 interns over the years in that same honors program that I was in. Yeah. And I always sit down, and as part of that internship, I, I drive them crazy, but I make them mid-semester write out an initial draft of their goals or where they want to be in five years and in 25 years, and then we talk about it, and then they fine-tune it, and then they give it, then it can be a final draft before they leave, and and so I just really try and help them think much bigger and much broader than most kids who are that age are thinking. And I think that's one of the big challenges that, that young people have is you're too often they're so limited in their thinking. It's just day to day. That's just this today's job or the next job. And, um, that idea of thinking bigger and longer and, uh, creating a plan to get there is so important. I have, um, I have a great team, and one of my direct reports um, grew up single parent, didn't finish college, but he didn't need to because he's in, like, IT and systems. And one of the things that I recognized was he needs to basically – he needs an opportunity to see things broader and bigger for himself because it's not what he grew up with. So even getting him connected with a mentor – somebody that he would never have even known nor met. Um, and this guy meets with him quarterly, and it's so cool to see how he has changed his perspective on what he can do and what he can become. And I think others do that for, for people. We do that for people all the time. 
hopefully. So I love that you I do think, that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, people want to give back, right? A, a successful yeah. person wants to share and help other people along the way and breathe that ladder. And, um, you know, it just, it, and, and one of the challenges I had as, uh, as a young adult, especially was I thought I had all the answers. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you, you quickly realize that you don't. And as soon as you realize that you don't have all the answers, and as soon as you start thinking about who can help me and not being afraid to ask, yeah. um, once you overcome that initial fear of asking people who are wanting to help others, and especially people who are coming at them proactively and saying, Hey, I want to do something with my life and whatever it might be. Um, so I, I this has become a theme. All cases is positive. This has become such a theme because literally the podcast that I just did before you, same conversation around asking for help. So as entrepreneurs, and it's not just entrepreneurs, but it's it's hard sometimes to ask for help. How do you? How did you get over the hump? What were the thoughts that you yeah. created to do that? Well, one, I, I think. The, the reason it's hard to ask for help is because one, you have to admit that you're human and that you don't have all the answers. Um, and so there's a little ego thing. There's a little pride thing. Um, and so people I think are hesitant. Um, and two, it's scary the first time you do it when you're reaching out to someone who's more senior or has been successful in a particular field or, career or passionate area or whatever it is. Um, but I think what, what really worked for me is just getting the courage to do it once. And as I reflect back, the, the help with David Moorhead that I talked about almost came just in passing. Right. So I had yeah. that great first opportunity. Uh, gosh, I had a chance to talk to this person. Um, but I think most people think about successful people and they think about, oh my gosh, this person and whatever the field they're in has just crushed it. And I'm sure their life was just a straight line to the top. And uh, <laughs> the reality is in almost every case, that, that straight line to the top was actually very jagged and had a lot of downs and lows and failures along the way. And um, because of that, people have um, realized that it's not easy and, and they're successful because somebody helped them along the way, too. And I think that's where that general pay it forward mentality comes. Yeah. So the biggest thing is just asking, taking that first step. Just doing it the first time. It's just doing it the first time. And, and uh, once they do it once, I think uh, the impact that that has is is incredible and it allows you to get the courage to do it more regularly going forward as your career or life changes down the road. So one of the chapters in the book that I want to talk about is the fail often. And I love that I have so many things underlined here, but I'm just going to pull this. Uh, and you say, I've learned to view failure differently by understanding that it generates growth. And then I'm going to jump forward a little bit. You give that quote from Teddy Roosevelt, you know, his speech. And I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. But I'm so curious of that speech. What is your favorite part of it? And if you're like, oh, Sarah, we can totally take this out. But I, last night I was no, reading no, this. this and I was like, God, I, I just want to know what, what you love in here. Well, it's funny. It's actually framed on my office right behind my desk. So it's easy for me to pull it up. And I've read it <laughs> so many times and I've given it to so many people. Yeah. Um, 
I think it's, it's, it, well, I love the whole thing. Uh, you know, it starts out with, it's not the critic that counts. And, and the reality is, is whenever you try and do something different or you're trying to stretch yourself in whatever area it is, you're surrounded by people who are going to tell you that's crazy or you're not qualified. And, and we have that inner voice too, that's always second guessing what we're doing. And so, you know, it's not the critic that counts. That's probably really important. But I love the middle part we, where it says, where he says the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and often comes up short again and again, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions and spends himself in a worthy cause and who at best knows in the end of triumph, the triumph of high achievement and who at worst if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. And I mean, that this whole thing resonates, right? So I said the middle part, but it ended up being the last sentence, which is a long one, but oh my gosh, is that a great, I mean, that doesn't matter if you're in the arena and you're fighting and you're doing things that most people aren't willing to do and everybody's saying you shouldn't do it and you're not worthy. And, if you don't lose, at least, you, at least you're in the battle. You're not sitting in the stands watching somebody else do it. And, and uh, you know, if you, if, if you, even if you don't win, you learn so much along the way that you look back and said, yeah, I could have sat in the stands and made fun of people who had the guts to try something, but I had the guts to try. And, um, that has resonated with me since, you know, I was a young man and first came across it. Is your dad like this? I'm just curious if, if he modeled this. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. my dad was, uh, yes, in a way, I mean, he's a lot of, a lot of what we learned as kids is from my dad and I count him as a, as a huge mentor in my life too, uh, and champion and, and helped provide a lot of the structure to give us. I mean, my dad was my, when I started my first couple of businesses, uh, first one was a lawn mowing and landscaping or landscaping would be a stretch, a lawn mowing <laughs> service in high school. And, uh, and then I started, uh, I did that for a few years, but when I went out to college, grass grows for six months in Cincinnati and you're only home for three. So it's hard to keep that up yeah. uh, going. And so that didn't work when I got back from college. And then I wanted to go out and start a driveway ceiling business. And, you know, my dad was the initial capital, uh, that helped my brothers and I start that first land lawn, lawn mowing business. And, uh, and then provided the capital, uh, later on, on when I, he borrowed, I borrowed the money from him to go buy a pickup truck, an old 1968 nice. GMC pickup truck that was just a beater, <laughs> um, and a tank to put on the back to hold the driveway sealer and everything else. And, um, so yeah, and, and my dad's, a uh, he's really always stood for excellence and high, high expectations for his kids and for himself and. And uh, so we just learned so much for him along the way. And, you know, I went through as I was in college, I remember high school and college as I was getting older and the kids were in college and they had all the bills of six kids moving toward college. And my dad had an opportunity to move to Phoenix and, and join a, an old friend of his to start an entrepreneurial venture. Really? And I remember how much he wanted to do it. Yeah. And he ended up having to pass on it because he just couldn't take the risk at that right. age with six kids either going through college or on their way. And, um, I think that's why he, uh, was willing to invest in us to help us give us opportunity to do something entrepreneurially or whatever. That's so cool. So I recent, I'm going to jump subjects on you. I did you, have you watched the PBS show on 
Teddy Roosevelt? I have not. Oh, my God. So you need to watch it knowing that you love this quote. Um, okay. Because, well, first of all, I'm, I'm guessing you enjoy history. And, I mean, God, you're in yeah. education, so please. Um, but, right. I, you know, as I think understanding his life and then reading this makes so much more sense to me because that guy had so many ups and downs. Also, did you know that he was shot while giving a speech when he was running for president the second time? And he continued to give his speech like an hour even after being shot. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Incredible. Like, I mean, fearless, fearless. Yeah. Anyway, that was just a sidebar I wanted to tell you. Okay. Um, I love it. I know. I know. It's so good. You know what? I watch it while I'm on my Peloton, and then I don't think about how I hate being on my Peloton. <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> I, I can do the same. Right? No <laughs> okay. I'm going uh -huh. to stay with the fail often chapter, and this is the next part. You said, I believed in myself and my vision enough that it helped me get out of bed every day to fight my way through the circumstances towards my dreams. And when I read that, I just, well, first of all, I think the backstory was that you, I think in here, you had a successful consulting firm, but a few years after right. that, a few years after success, it, it died out. Um you were at, you had graduated from business school. You had a failed business, no job, a wife, and a baby on the way. And so you talk about that dark time. So when I was reading that, I was like, okay, how did he do that? How did he get, how did he believe in himself? Yeah, you know, that's, that's an interesting one. And again, the learnings you make along the way. Um, I was out of, out of, out of Harvard Business School. My whole reason when I, was to become an entrepreneur someday and, and, uh, you know, try and get the experience necessary to be able to do that. And I, after business school, I was able to work in an entrepreneurial, um, entrepreneurial, uh, consulting firm that focused on smaller and middle market businesses. And after being there six months, my boss there came to me and said, Hey, we can do this on our own and, uh, focus on helping companies grow. And this was more of kind of a, cost-cutting operational restructuring type of firm that I was with. And he said, we can be growth guys and, and set up our own practice. And so I jumped in, right. I was yeah. 27 and na naive as hell and thought I could do all this. Right. And, um, and that, that's pre-learning on the importance of having people around and, and having champions all the time and not acting like you have all the answers, but learn so much through that process. And, you know, we had, we were able to build a nice little practice and then suddenly ran out of money and, uh, had to, had to shut down the business and effectively, um, closing everything down. And, and then I, then I restarted, uh, after breaking up with my partner, my business partner and, and shutting it all down and had a bunch of debts that I had to pay off. And, uh, it was not a good time. And, and, uh, so now I'm basically unemployed. Yeah. I am unemployed and I'm trying to figure out what do I do? And, uh, you know, I just kept, I just, I, I kept thinking about how much I learned in that experience and that we had had success and, and help my, help myself understand that, uh, I can make this who I am, this defeat, um, or I can figure out and say, you know, I was close and look at all my, look at how much I learned along the way. Yeah. 
and look at where I want to go long term. And and if you spend all your time looking in the rearview mirror at the problems and the mistakes you made, they can tend to drag you down. And um, I, that that belief in myself and that taking that first step, and I think that's what really is is so telling is that um, I knew it didn't have to define me. Uh, and I, I, you know, at that time in my life, I was research, I was doing a lot of soul searching and a lot of researching of successful people. And I had realized that I'm not the only person who started a business and it didn't work. Yeah. Um, I think that's I really said, important. I, successes. I think that's really, really important for people to hear because uh, the feedback that I often get from listeners is, gosh, when so-and-so talked about how they weren't successful in this area, it made me. Um, it normalized it for me and gave me some hope. Right. Yeah. It just, and you know, a couple times. So by the time when that business failed, I think I was in my, my third, I was 33 or something like that. And yeah. 32 maybe. And uh, then it happens again down the road. And at those times you start thinking about, Oh my gosh, I have some friends who are really killing it. So you immediately compare yourself. Well, you're nothing. You're feeling yes. like you're inadequate because you have friends who have crushed it. And you're saying, Oh my gosh, the, you start to have envy and you start to think, well, they got a big break and I'm nothing. Um, but you just have to fight through that. And, and that's why I think action is so important. Those first steps, like I mentioned earlier, and thinking big and, and believing in yourself and, and not letting the negative, the negative voice in your head tell you that you're not any good. Mm -hmm. But remember that you've had successes and you've had potential and you're young and, and you have skills and getting champions around you, all those lessons in the book that uh, have resonated and were key parts of, of me. And it sounds like your wife was such a champion for you, too. Yeah, she absolutely was. You know, and I tell we laugh. My wife is probably the most risk averse person I've ever met. <laughs> right. But here she meets this crazy guy who all he wants to all he wants to do is uh start businesses and and, and create new things and and uh, her her dad had been an entrepreneur and had some failures as well and ultimately was was successful. Um himself, but during her young formative ages in elementary and stuff, she's, you know, she experienced her dad being out of work for a year. And, you know, that really yeah, that seared her memory of, of yeah. the importance of security and having a job. And, and so, you know, I think she, uh, to her credit and, and, uh, was very patient with me and very understanding about what my dream was and not wanting to get in the way. And, so we did it once and I jumped in on that consulting firm without being a naive 27 year old thinking I had all the answers. And then four or five years later, realizing it didn't work and it kind of falls apart. And, you know, that's, you mentioned that quote in there where we're, I'm unemployed. We've got um, our first child on the way and the businesses has, and I've got these debts from the failed businesses and how do I pull out of this? And, you know, she's sitting there and, and staying with me and, you know, emotionally and, and, uh, supporting me was, was huge. And without that, that's tough. And so, you know, that communication and, and staying tight during those difficult circumstances is hard. And then it happened again, you know, eight, eight or nine years later. So I've, I've taken her through a lot. Um, mm -hmm. but she's been hugely supportive and, you know, I owe her a huge debt of gratitude for the support along the way. Mm. I love that. That's cute. Okay, so a lot of people know you as successful 
entrepreneur, father, husband, what do what would most people not know about you? Um, <laughs> well, I think most people wouldn't know about the bumps and bruises and the really? failures along the way, first and foremost. Um, okay. I mean, obviously my close family, knows, sure. my family and my friends who kind of, saw but not the people this, in your company. Like I, yeah, exactly. And so you know, I think one of our, one of the things I try and do is, is talk about that. And, and, you know, we've, we've, we've made one of our core values, uh, courage in, in this company that I started now a dozen years ago. And, you know, we, I want to make sure that people understand that failure happens and failure is a good thing. I mean, stupid failures are not right. Just doing right. dumb things, but right. in an attempt to try and improve or get better and you fail along the way, there's no, there's no problem. I mean, there's no bad in that. Um, because you learn so much. And as an organization, we failed a lot, uh, our early years. And, and even today you're, you're, you know, hopefully you win more than you lose, but there are constant failures and problems that, that, uh, that we try and recover from and get better at. And that's life, right? And if yeah. you're not failing, you're not living, right. You're not testing your testing yourself. And, and so, um, that's why I, 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 I love, mentoring young kids and, and helping, helping not just young kids, but young adults and, and folks and helping them think bigger in their own life. And I think in today's day and age with society and everything you read is negative and, you know, the government's supposed to step up and help everybody or people have gone through tough times um, personally or professionally. And, oh my gosh, who's going to be there to lift me up? And the reality is nothing's going to lift you up until, you have that fortitude and realize that you, that you can control your destiny, that you can step forward and you can leverage the many amazing skills that we all are blessed with individually. And we all have different skills, but it gives every one of us the, the opportunity. But if we're relying on somebody else or some other organization to lift us up, um, it, uh, it, it could be awfully difficult. Yep. One of the quotes that you probably saw in that in my little mini book there, Sarah, was the the uh, quote by I, I think it was uh, Thomas Edison who said, "You know, opportunity is missed by so many people because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work." Um, <laughs> and you know, it's not easy. And I, I think that's what successful people do in any in any career is take control of it, right? And, yeah. and set a big vision, and then and then be willing to take those first actions that's followed by all the hard, hard work it takes to be successful. So your last question that I have for you is, and I want to say that this episode is a little bit different because I was lucky enough to read your book. And so I had like kajillion questions ahead of time. So thanks for being patient with me on this. So in the courageous chapter, you talk about, um, the fact that we, we are all afraid. And when I look at somebody like you who's so successful, the first question I had was, well, what the heck is he afraid of? Right. <laughs> yeah, right. And and I, I think fear is a, a, what is it, a natural trait that we all have. It's a survival instinct, right? Yeah. And so you shed fear, but it's also a limiter, and I think that's what I've learned over the years um, is that the conquering of fear and the courage to overcome it, right, is, is that's what 
everyone has that. Yeah. But the fear too often controls us um, because it's that fear of failure, the fear of not fitting in or the fear of um, not being worthy, you know, being made fun of. Yeah. Right. Of not being worthy. And, and um, like I said in, in that book about my experience on starting that um, military fundraiser, um, you know, it took me a long time to get the courage to start talking to other people that I can do this, right? Because, oh, who am I to start a, you know, a a fundraiser to raise money for the military? I didn't have any military background or experience personally, but had a lot of admiration and respect for those who have served. And, Mm -hmm. um, but that, that, those kind of things bounce along, bounce around in our heads and we all kind of dream about them and we think, oh, wouldn't it be great? And we have that fleeting moment where, oh, I'm going to do this, and then we don't do it. And, do you? So and, I know, uh, I know you guys had like an acquisition. Do you? Do you ever get worried, or does fear come in when when those things happen? And then how do you? Because I think fear can also be a motivator. At least for me, it can be. It can be limiting at times, absolutely. but it also can motivate me to get off my fanny. No doubt, no doubt. Um, that's a great point, and especially when you've started something or in the midst of a, of a, of pursuing a vision or a dream or whatever it might be. And, um, fear is definitely a motivator because I think there's this drive to succeed. And that's part of the idea of getting started on something, right? The courage to get started to overcome mm-hmm. that initial fear. And then fear fuels so many things. And, and, uh, um, you know, I, I, I think that it's definitely a motivator. I don't think anyone wants to rely on fear as the primary motivator because right. it can be debilitating at yeah. times yeah. because it, it's really the passion and, and, the, and the positivity that you're chasing, um, and the impact, et cetera, um, for what that means. But there's no doubt that whether it's an acquisition that we're going through currently or just completed and the fear of making sure that that works. And, you know, I raised a lot of money to start this business. Right. And so I have investors who have, who gave me millions of dollars when I started. And certainly there was fear at the time and continues to be to this day about, okay, how am I, am I worthy (laughs) when someone gives you that money? And so there's that fear of, I want to make sure that I fear or drive or whatever you want to call it, but the desire to make sure that these folks get paid back and, and their chance on me from nothing, um, and starting a new build business and committing the millions of dollars of capital that we needed to start the business um, and get to where we wanted to be. Um, certainly there's that fear of failure that pushes you forward as well when you're in the midst of something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know we were emailing back and forth about the book and I think it's amazing. And I'm just pissed that I didn't get a signed copy of it, but that's okay. I know you'll make that right. <laughs> I will do. And remember that it's just, it's just the draft version. I know um, listeners. And, I got uh, the draft version. <laughs> so, uh, but um, certainly I've shared, I shared the draft version and I have a PDF of it that I've shared with many people, but you know, my hope is I'm going to meet with um, some of the experts on how to get things published. And I've never done that. And there's another fear thing or whatever about writing a book, right? Who yeah. I have always admired people who are willing to do it. And, and, gosh, who am I to write a book? And you still always have those second thoughts, right? Isn't it going to, is it going to be any good? Does it resonate? But I think the lessons are not necessarily things that I invented, right? These are the things that I've learned from others. And, and I think at the right time and 
people's lives, there's a compelling message in there that hopefully will have an impact. Well, I, I also think I, I like the messages and the stories, and I like the fact that there's, there's a workbook, so I could apply it to me. So I'll tell you that I won't go into specifics, um, but I'll tell you later. Some of the, the like the first half that I read, I actually applied some of this stuff and changed, kind of changed my actions around a, a couple things. And then last night around the the courage thing, like what would I do if I wasn't afraid? And I jotted some things down in my right. journal. So it was really, really it. great. It was great. So thank you. Oh, my pleasure. I'm glad it had an impact. And you wrote it down. So now you've just made the chance of that happening go up by about tenfold. Yes. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. All right. Well, Pete, as always, thank you so much for spending our, spending time with us today. Any final thoughts? No, Sarah, it's, uh, it's a pleasure. And, and thank you for your interest. And, and uh, it's interesting as you, as you talk through some of these um, it's just uh, final thoughts for anyone is, is to always think big and mm. um, to know that there's so much more capability and so much more capacity for with inside all of us. And um, don't ever let the fear keep you from uh, chasing your dreams and, and becoming everything you want to become because it's all doable. You are the best. Thank you so <laughs> Thank much. You. Thanks so much for your interest. My pleasure. It's great. I want to thank everyone behind the scenes, especially Adrian Donica and the team at Gwyn Sound. Also, please find us on social media outlets at Fail Forward Pod. <laughs>